And so it is my great pleasure to introduce our speaker for this day, someone who keeps listening to, I don't know what he listens to, all kinds of things. And Jackson Brown, okay. And brings his wisdom and his connection to us, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Good morning. We're going to sing a song and and, uh, say a prayer. So if you'd like to join us in that song. I didn't show up soon enough with my guitar today, so I'm just singing along with you. Come again, come and 
So know with me in this moment, <clears throat> speaking of God, in perfect union, no separation, oneness, the recognition and the embodiment of that idea in our hearts and our minds, and speaking in the I am for myself, that is that sacred place, the holiest of holies. And I know in that moment and in that instant and in that awareness that my vibrational tone is lifted to a frequency of love, of happiness, and of infinite knowing, standing in the trust and the wisdom that all of us are supported with and by, in and through and as, each and every one of us. And it is so easy to forget. So wherever I forget, I forgive myself immediately and come back to home, into that sacred, sacred relationship with self that blesses my life and every life that I interact with radiating it out into the world, love and appreciation on this Remembrance Day weekend, remembering all the lives that paid the ultimate sacrifice so we could stand in freedom together, to be in the discourse and the disagreement, but understand that that discourse, that disagreement, and those opposing ideas in our own being and with one another are what help shape and form the beauty that we are in this moment and yet to be revealed. For this I give thanks and so much more. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you, guys. Beautiful. Beautiful song, Karen. Just amazing, amazing. We're, we're dripping with talent here is all I have to say. So um, I am going to invite uh, Reverend... Catherine Cardinal to join me on the platform at this point in time. We're going to do a short presentation this morning. We have some practitioners that are practitioner interns that have, have met all of the qualifications and all the requirements to step into um, their roles as practitioners. Reverend Catherine, would you like to say a few words before we invite them up? Sure. Okay. Reverend Catherine Cardinal, who, who co-facilitated this group of students with me, and I asked her to, to share with you this morning a bit. Good morning. To be a practitioner is to use spiritual mind treatment and the art and science of that process to create changes in our lives. So many of us are practitioners in each and every day. But to become a licensed practitioner, it's to dedicate one's life to helping others to reveal the truth about themselves and about to see their divinity in each and every moment. 
So it was my joy and privilege to be with Reverend Patrick to co-facilitate this class and to be able to honor and acknowledge these fine group of licensed practitioners with you today. Awesome. So I'd like to invite Julie Ball, Linda Wolf, Barb Gobert, and Carmen Owen to join us on the platform. And I'm going to do this. The dedication service. Okay, once again, repeat after me. Hubbada, 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 hubbada. That was beautiful. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure they're warmed up. We did this already once, but we wanted to share it with you guys as well. So there. And I've, I've added a few touches that you're really going to appreciate, so I know that yeah, you'll, you'll... They asked for tiaras. Well, the first time they said, well, do we get tiaras? So I've got some tiaras for them today, but they have to be sworn in first, yes. All right, here we go. So Barb and Julie, <laughs> you can't look over there. Linda and Carmen, the sacred path you walk is being honored here today. You've chosen to serve God, Religious Science International, the Centers for Spiritual Living, and the Edmonton Church of Religion Center for Spiritual Living, Southeast. By living fully the principles we teach, each of you has followed your heart and has answered your calling. Being a licensed practitioner of religious science is a sacred obligation, a journey of love and a dedication of all aspects of your being. Do each of you today promise to uphold the teachings of religious science in everything you say, in everything you do, and in everything you are? If you do, please say, I do. I do. Awesome. That's good. They're better this time. They were a little weak the first time through. <laughs> Do you dedicate yourselves to hold inviolate the confidentiality and identity of those who come to you for assistance unless you receive their express permission to do otherwise? If so, please say, I do. I do. Do you promise to abide by the Religious Science Practitioner Code of Ethics? If so, please say, I do. I do. <laughs> now, I want to try you say, I do a little differently this time, Okay. <laughs> getting a little bit boring, actually. So, yeah. Do you dedicate yourselves to the, dis- discipline, the discipline of regular and faithful prayer to all that you may expand the expression of your life in loving service to God and humankind? If so, please say, I do. I do. I do. Awesome. Very good. <laughs> you dedicate yourselves to behold the divine perfection in all who may call upon you. If so, please say, I do. I do. Do you dedicate yourself to serve whomever may call upon you in time of need? If so, please say, I do. I do. Do you dedicate yourselves to a constant recognition of the one spirit within all people, regardless of race, gender, faith, orientation, or station in life? If so, please say, I do. I do. And will you continue to study and expand your consciousness that you may be more effective in your chosen way? If so, please say, I will. I will. To the best of your ability, will you minister to the needs of humanity? If so, please say, I will. I will. I now charge you, Barb, Julie, Linda, and Carmian, to go forth into the world, permitting those who come to you to be healed by your presence and by your example. And so, before we go into our prayer, they wanted tiaras, so I went down to the kids' room. There we go. Pick it up. Pink one. There you go. Pink for you and white for you. Very nice. Barb, you can hold yours if you'd like. It's okay. Come on, we're going to do a prayer. Nice. All right. Well, that is kind of the 2011 TRH. So knowing this in this moment, it is with great joy and celebration 
It is not taken lightly, I know that, but it is a joy upon this celebration that we celebrate your rite of passage and knowing that you've done, you continue to do the work and it's a gift to all of us. In gratitude and appreciation for your dedicated service, for your commitment to yourself and the revelation of, of, of spirit, we celebrate you, we honor you, we see you, we hear you, and we bless you. You are a blessing in the world and a blessing in our lives and a blessing to those that know you and love you. For this I give thanks in releasing these words in honoring and respect and joyful celebration and recognition. Together we say, and so it is. Blessings. Would you like to... What? This time. I need those tiaras back though. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. It is quite a, a, a wonderful rite of passage. Last week I shared with you, um, we've been working a little bit with uh, Joyce Hawk's book, Cell Level Healing. And it's a really wonderful fit for our teaching and how she approaches her research and her approach to um, revealing. Dr. Ernest Holmes said this about healing. He said that spiritual mind healing and that's what practitioners do, and this is the, the cornerstone of how we approach spirituality. Spiritual mind healing is a revelation, even though we go through a process to arrive at it. Each must work out his own method and pursue his own logic. If his method and logic lead them to the right conclusion, they will be rewarded by an affirmative answer. He continued, it's not the spirit of the person that needs to be made whole. It is their mental reactions to life that need healing. It's our perceptions, how we filter life. These mental reactions are both conscious and subjective. Successful spiritual mind treatment neutralizes negative reactions on both the conscious and the subjective levels. So I want to explain to you a bit about conscious and subjective and and walk you through something. Last week, if you weren't here, one of my things that I'm in love with right now is John Kennedy's speech at Rice University when he, he said we're going to go to the moon. And he said, wonderful speech, he said, we set sail on this new sea because there is new knowledge to be gained and new rights to be won, and they must be won and used for the, the progress of all people. For space science, like nuclear science and all technology, has no conscience of its own. It's just a science. And it's so, it's so perfect for our science because our science has no consciousness of its own. It's what we bring to it. Whether it will become a force for good or ill depends on man. And only if the United States occupies a position of preeminence can we help decide whether this new ocean will be a sea of peace or a new terrifying theater of war. And so we have this precious tool in our, in our repertoire of, of spiritual practice called spiritual mind treatment. And we can use it however we choose. So I, I need some volunteers. I think John, John, would you come on up here? John Gutell, would you come on up? Seriously. And... Uh, Max, would you come up too? I haven't seen Max. This is, if you don't, Max hasn't been here for a few weeks. He's my son, so this is part of his homework. <laughs> so, John, do you feel like love or law today? How are you feeling? You feeling lovely or are you feeling kind of... I always feel lovely. Do you? Okay, we'll make you love. So I'm setting this up here. Here, John. We're going to put you in your name. 
Your name, okay, you guys are backing me up. I did it the other way here. You are Yakin. Okay. okay. You are love. Max, perfect. You are the law. You are Boaz. I better put law down there. Want to mix you up? There you go. All right, and I just need one more player. I need a, uh, who would like to be the high priestess? Who is a wonderful high priestess? Who? Oh, beautiful, Linda, come on up. Well, it could have been a high priest. It could have been a high priest too, but anyway, all right. There's your name tag. All right. And just because I went down and got some props, you're the high priestess, so you get to have a magic wand as well, all right? Go. Cool. All right. So, yep, right on the corner and perfect right there. So what's all this about? Dr. Ernest Holmes wrote a book called Living the Science of Mind. And there's a blueprint here of, of how, how we approach spirituality, how we ap- approach firm, affirmative prayer. And what he does to set it up is he talks about scripture. He talks about Solomon's temple. He said in Solomon's temple, there stood two pillars that when you walked up the steps to go into Solomon's temple, there were two pillars. And I don't think Solomon's temple ever existed from what I've seen in recent research, but it's a metaphor. We approach all of these things from metaphor. And Yakin, which is John, he's the love, and Max, who's Boaz, are the two pillars. So to get to the temple, you've got to pass between the two pillars. Now what the two pillars represent, one is the law, one is the love. Kennedy Schultz used to say that, that uh, the, the love makes the world go round and the law keeps us from getting dizzy. We need them both. You've got to have one leg here and one leg in the law. And the law can only say yes. That's right. So, <laughs> thanks. And you did that so lovingly, too. That's awesome. And did I cast this right or what? So, Max, your role is? Yes. Okay, good. You've got to amplify that. So, we'll get Max... And John, what does it look like? So let's hear your... Go ahead, do your line. Yes. Fantastic. And you, what does love look like? That's taking a nap. What are you doing? Well, what do you do? Like when you see Jody coming down, she's running through the field. She's got this beautiful cotton dress on and the, the lilies are behind her. And how do you greet her? Like this? <laughs> Okay, we'll go with that. All right, that's good. And you're just lovely the way you are. You're the high priestess. So everybody get it? Law, love. We need them both. And so what Ernest says about this is that these pillars are symbolic of the love and the law. They're also the personal as presence and the impersonal as law. The law is impersonal. It can only say yes. Beautiful, Max. This is, and then we have, it's also said that the high priest or high priestess meets us at the temple doorway. All of those who passed between the pillars and conducted them to the Holy of Holies. The high priest represents the divine incarnation in every one of us. So when we pass through these two pillars, we greet ourselves in the Holy of Holies. It's a vibration. It's, a, it's vibrational. It's, it's why we have spiritual practice. In Joyce Hawk's book, she said that when she first started healing, she started doing this work as a scientist, and then she had this near-death experience, and she started to study with the shamans. And she said that, that um, what she thought of at the beginning, because she started having these strange sensations in her hands, that her hands would become very warm after this near-death experience. And so she figured that what she would do is meditate and meditate and fill herself, with, fill herself up with healing energy and then blast whoever got in front of her. And it doesn't work that way. 
And she discovered that the more she could refine and declare what the, the malady was, where the energy was blocked, she was more effective in her healing work, in her prayer work. When Karen Porker got up this morning and said she was going to sing Surrender, the song, and it was locked in her ankle, it's, it's a, a prime example of what um, Joyce Hawks is talking about, where we, we block energy because we have blockages. And so what keeps us from the Holy of Holies, what keeps us from living in this direct communication with the One is there's things within our experiences, there's things that we carry with us that don't allow us to live in that direct connection as fluidly as possible, as openly as possible. And it's true for all of us. We're all in this together. But this is what our teaching is based on. It's the love and the law. Ernest is the first thing... Well, let me back up a little bit. He talks about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark means a vehicle containing life principle. The Ark is the life principle. And the covenant means the eternal laws of God that are forever established. And this Ark is the scroll of life on which is inscribed the name of God. Which, if we go back to Moses, is I am. The name of God is I am. So first we must come to the realization that the universe is a balance between the impersonal and the personal. The principle... The principle, the law, and the presence. The law or the word. Or if we wish to put it in another way, the mechanical and the personal or spontaneous. And this is confusing for people because if the, why wouldn't the, because many people think the subconscious is stronger than the conscious. People say, oh, my subconscious is much stronger than my conscious. Your subconscious is much more stubborn is what it is because once an idea gets established in the subconscious, it's there. And we keep playing it out and playing it out and playing it out. But the way we change it the way we change it is through conscious thought, which is the love. Saying, you know what, this is uncomfortable. This has gotten to the point where I don't want to do this anymore. And so we, when, when our conscious thought impresses upon our subconscious, it shifts and changes, but it takes time. Typically, it's not instantaneous. That's why we do affirmation. That's why we have spiritual practice. Joyce Hawk said in her spiritual, uh, in her work, she said that what she found is that people have meditation practice in their lives. If they have spiritual practice on a consistent basis in their lives, they, they can handle more energy. They're more receptive to more energy. So one of the reasons that, that I believe that we do these things is so that we can be a, a, a purveyor of this infinite healing energy on the planet in a larger way. But it takes work and dedication. And it's moment by moment, it's day by day, and it's continuing to do the work. So we must realize the universe is a balance between impersonal and personal. This is the nature of reality as proclaimed by the greatest of every age. This is the first and basic principle of our whole science, our philosophy, and our religion. We, we are some part of the whole, but we must discover our true relationship to it. We must discover our true relationship. If we're to be admitted to the temple, which is the self, and find entrance to the secret place of the Most High within us, which is the Holy of Holies, we must meet the High Priestess. There she is. But see, when we're stuck in, in, in the, the, the things that happen in our lives... I have a list of them here from Carolyn Mace. I pulled it up. She talks about, in her book, Defy Gravity, she said that until you surrender, Karen's song, I didn't know Karen was going to sing this song today, until you surrender the need to know why things happen to you and why they did, you will hold on to your wounds with intense emotional fire. Your mind will want to heal, but your pride, your anger, and emotions will remain caught up in wanting to make sure that the people who hurt you feel bad when... about what they've done, or you may want to hurt them back. But rest assured, your emotional self will remain attached to the unfinished business, rooted in feelings of abandonment and humiliation, of having lost something or been cheated. Your mind may do what's required for healing and go through all the prescribed steps, but your heart will never fully participate in the healing process. 
So what keeps us from that vibrational tone of moving into this and being able to, to meet the, the, the priestess in our own lives, that divine self, is we get bogged down and stuck in those experiences. And that's just a small example. We've all got stories about it. So those that live life effectively, those have mastered their way of thinking. And it's being able to look at those experiences we've had in life and, see, and find the gifts in them. In Joyce Hawks, in his chapter I'm referring to today, had a young girl, Jocelyn, that came into her and she said, I'm, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. I was diagnosed a month ago. I had surgery three weeks ago. Now they're lining me up for some uh, chemotherapy and radiation. And she said, I, I was abused. I was abused by my, by my brother when I was 16. And as a result, I became very angry. And uh, I've been very nasty to my younger sister. And she said, I feel like this cancer is punishing me. And so she worked with Joyce. And Joyce found where she was blocked with the energy in her body. And she also worked with the, the medical technicians because we need both. God works in all. Max is going to medical school right now. He's got this teaching and he's also got that modality. And you need both. We don't say you don't need a doctor because we, we tr treat for the right med medicine to show up. So anyway, Jocelyn went through. She had the, the treatments. She went through the medication. She worked with Joyce, and she came out of it, and she, she regained her health. And she said, what I realized in the process, the, the healing and the transition for me was I'm a worthwhile person. I'm a, I'm a loving, good person, and I have gifts to give to the world. And she came out the other side of this. So for all of us, when we're bogged down in these things, because the law can only say yes. The law can only say yes. And so when, we're, when our, our mantra, our interior mantra is, I'm not good enough, what, what fuel are we giving the law that simply says yes? It has to respond. And that's why it takes awareness. That's why we emphasize meditation. Because if you're not aware to what the, your interior dialogue's going on, and you're not aware to the, the things that are happening, so your vibration of love, right, John? Let's see the love. What's, what happened to this? Guy comes up with a signature move, and then he forgets it immediately. Are you paying attention? I mixed it up. <laughs> he mixes it up. In order to, to reach this place of surrender, the people I encounter have to recognize, this is from Carolyn Mace, the word forgiveness is all-inclusive, encompassing childhood pain, broken marriages, experience of betrayal, unresolved differences in various relationships, business deals gone bad, misguided or impulsive decisions that harmed others, or personal acts of misconduct. And another compelling story in here, there's story after story after story of people shifting perception and moving into a greater sense of who they are and what they are. So this is where Holmes get in, gets into some affirmation, some declaration, which I love about Ernest. So he's, he set this thing up. We got the law. We got the love. You want to get to the high priestess. But when you're bogged down in that confusion and chaos of life, you can't get through the doorway. You can't get to the temple. He says, at first, this may seem difficult or altogether impossible because we all like to believe that someone else can live for us. I wish someone else could do this. Wouldn't it be great if we could just call this in? Someone else could but we can't. We can't call it in. We have to do the work. I've taken many breaks hoping somebody would show up to do the work for me, and it, it hasn't happened, so I've had to go back and do it. Someone else can live for us or be happy for us or find God for us. Such is not the case. Each individual is a unique institution in the universe. There never was a you, love this, there never was a you before, just like you, that you are. Look at this high priestess. Did you know there was never a you like you before, and there'll never be another you like you, ever, in the entire universe? Look at this beautiful person. What's not to love? Isn't she gorgeous? Look at her. 
What's your, what happened to your tiara thing? <laughs> you look so good. Well, you look good with or without the tiara. Thank you. That was your idea, too. See how brilliant you are? But there never will be, and it's true of all of us. There'll never be another you. Ever. Never has been, never will be. Nature never duplicates her creations, even though she multiplies them. There's a doorway and an entrance through which the mind must pass on its way to spiritual realization. And that door can be opened by none but the one who must enter. Within each of us is the secret place of the Most High, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the Scroll of Life, the Sacred Name of God. There's only a certain amount that can be taught, and the rest must be learned through doing. So our practitioners did a rite of passage this day. We celebrated it, but they, they, their journey's just beginning. But it's an ongoing journey for all of us. They've, they've studied and studied and studied, and now it's about the doing. Every man, every person must start, discover God in their own way, but always within themselves. So what we do is we do our spiritual practice. We say, you know, this isn't feeling good. I'm not feeling the love that I want to feel. I'm not, I'm not, not in that space that I want to... I want to feel and I want to elevate that. And so what I do is I make something up based on qualities that I want to experience. I'm a divine expression of the infinite. I'm resourced and supplied in every good way, emotionally, spiritually, um, financially. Whatever's needed pours into my life. Perhaps that's an affirmation you use. And you continue to repeat it and repeat it and work with it and nurture the idea like you're growing a new garden. And it impresses upon the law over here this idea over and over and over again. See, if you plant apples, you want to keep cultivating for apples. And that's the whole idea with thought, as above, so below. And so vibrationally, what it does as well is it, and, and then we find blocks along the way. And so we can use our affirmative prayer to say, you know what, the, whatever it is for me that's limiting my experience of this, why I don't feel good enough to have this experience in my life, whatever is alive within me is eradicated and dissipated in this moment. We can dismantle it. We can, we can put another vibrational tone upon it and look at it. And if there's something for us to know, like Jocelyn with her cancer, Jocelyn's limitation with her cancer was she felt she could develop cancer because she needed to be punished. And this is how the law works. This is how people end up with illnesses and sicknesses in their lives. And it's not a straight line. It's insidious and it's little things. You know, one cell, Joyce Hawks is a very powerful thing. It's one cell at a time. We don't get sick all at once. We get one cell at a time. starts to, to go off. Am I correct there, doctor? Yeah, see? You're supposed to say yes, by the way. Yes. <laughs> But anyway, but it's one cell at a time. And so it's the same thing. It's one thought. It's one breath. It's the same thing. As above, so below. As within, so without. But this is our teaching. And so that's why our thought is so precious. That's why it's so important to be mindful of where you are. Yanavan, um, not Yanavan Zant, the other one, the poet. Um, Maya. Maya Angelou says, she never allows anyone to curse in her home. Never, nobody uses bad language in Maya, uh, Maya Angelou's home because she said what it does is there's an energy to it and it, it goes into the walls and into the furniture. So I got to go home and do an exorcism, I guess. But, <laughs> but she never lets anybody... When I heard that, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm loving the walls right now. Well, I wanted to leave you with this because I think it's so important to uh, why we're here why we're here and why we're doing this. Because this is, this is just basic metaphysics. But as we think, our lives unfold. And as we, we shift those patterns, our lives are, are shifted and changed. In John Kennedy's speech at Rice University, he said, we set sail on the new sea because there's new knowledge to be gained and new rights to be won, and they must be won and used for the progress of all people. 
He said, we choose to go to the moon, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they're easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept and one we are unwilling to postpone and one which we intend to win and others too. They had none of the technology to go to the moon when he said that. 6,300 pieces of, of technology had to be developed based on that statement. It was a charge. I think the same thing can be said for us as a movement and as a tradition. The more and more that we can understand and use these principles powerfully, we change the world. We become a blessing. We're able to stand shoulder to shoulder with one another and go, man, you are amazing. Look at the talents and gifts that you have to give the world. And then as we do our work, we become clearer and clearer every day in the twinkling of an eye. We can walk through the pillars of, of Boaz and Joaquin here, the love and the law, the law and the love, and we get a great big hug from the high priestess, which is our divine self. And so it is. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Max.